Hi there, welcome. Uh, we are so glad you're with us here on this third episode of our second season of Green Room Door. I'm Dave Trout, and uh, one of our missions or uh, purposes or our mottos at uh, UTR Media is to help people rediscover their soul connection to music. And uh, we do that not only by featuring songs and playing songs, uh, but also uh, through conversations and interviews where you get to know the heart behind the music. And that's what this podcast is all about. One new release that's just come out in the last couple of weeks, uh, which is a very unique, compelling project, is called Songs of Common Prayer by Greg LaFollette. And we're going to be talking to him uh, in the second half of today's show. But uh, here in the first half, another project that came out uh, the first week of October, and it is so fantastic, uh, is, it's called She Waits. It's the latest from The Grey Havens. Uh, we've been longtime friends with The Grey Havens. In fact, I did The Grey Havens' very first radio interview back when they were just getting started. Uh, so we've been fans from the very beginning. And uh, this project is just a jaw dropper. Uh, we're going to get to hear samples of it, and uh, we're also going to dive into the conversation, which actually did happen in a green room uh, when we were visiting with them in Nashville at Hutchmoot last month. So uh, I started my conversation with Dave of the Grey Havens by asking him about this season that we're entering. Uh, we're gearing up for Thanksgiving, so I asked him how gratitude is playing a role in his life right now. I was actually just thinking about this yesterday, naturally, because we're just uh, releasing an album and kind of even just coming coming to Hutch Moot, just thinking like, man, because anytime you put out something, especially something that um, you're really excited about or what, like the propensity, while you're making it, I feel like you're walking this fine line of between pride on the one hand, when things are going well, and despair mm. on the other hand of... I'm nothing, this is terrible. You can go pretty quickly from I'm nothing, this is terrible to I rock. Like this, like, look what I just, like, so, and it's a very small mm -hmm. tunnel or or whatever, uh, fence, mm -hmm. post or whatever. There you walk. And so when you, so coming time to release the album, I think gratitude is such a helpful and more life-giving and more joyful uh, perspective to have going into maybe talking to people that are really like the album or whatever. It's just such a good thing to know, like, man, sure, I made this with, it, but like everything from the creative impetus to the writing of it, to the pr producing of it, to the manufacturing of it, to the distribution of it is a total gift. 100%. I am the vessel through which this utter like sheer gift has come through. If it's helpful at all, like that is 100% grace uh, and, and a gift from the Lord. And, and if he wants to use it in whatever way, then, then that's great. And, and so just thankfulness and gratitude and, and keeping that into perspective is a really helpful weapon against any kind of creeping up like credit, crediting yourself. And it's actually a more... It's like a less joyful exercise to credit yourself for it. You get more joy in in realizing and reveling in, wow, like 
I got to be part of this, but like anything good from this is, is a, is a total gift. And so I think just, I'm mindful of that. Th th thankfulness through that lens right now is just what immediately kind of front burner came to mind when you, when you asked that question. That's great. Um, you know, before we dive into the album, just sort of catch us up on kind of where you are at as far as just, um, kind of how the last couple of years have yeah. shaped you and Leisha and, and yeah. kind of your direction as a, as a, as a recording artist. So the last couple of years and, and, um, kind of told you a little bit of this already, um, just through the process even, but it's just been really a, I don't know, a, a very tall and low roller coaster. <laughs> I feel like yeah. is, I mean, um, we tried to make a record in six weeks. We had scheduled with our producer, Ben Shive. We did this Kickstarter. It was a successful Kickstarter. I tried as hard as I could to write as much as I could before we got to the studio and only had two or three finished songs. We are going to make try to make ten, and uh, we ran out of time. I mean, it wasn't even close. Mm. Like, by the end of that process, we were nowhere. Like, all the music was made, and, and everybody did their job. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I... Like, because it takes me such a long, long, long time to write anything, good or bad, it just, we ran out of time. And so then it became working on something in maybe an unhealthy framework mm. where you're you're not approaching creativity as fun and inspirational and, ooh, like the muse is gone. Mm -hmm. Like because you're now past due. Yeah. Like you've made promises to certain people that you're going to have this thing done. And and you're you're maybe like if you're climbing Everest, say, yeah. you haven't even reached the place where you like acclimate yet. Mm. Like forget about climbing the mountain. Like you're yeah. not even like Yeah. And, and so so does that play tricks with your head like as far as you know just uh cuz I I mean I assume like as an just as a songwriter as an artist like like it can that could actually be a be a, a hurdle that's really hard to get over yeah i mean definitely yeah it, it just like i said it kind of created an unhealthy environment in mm. which to be trying to create something that already is very difficult for me to do so music will come much more easily to me than lyrics and lyrics i would just consider a painful um usually a painful experience mm. to me it doesn't come easy at all mm -hmm. and very slow and so to top it all off i'm now one month two months three months <laughs> six months seven months past the deadline for this wow and as a business everything is held up by this mm. not being done there were dominoes that were gonna fall <laughs> but this is the first one yeah so knowing that so then you're you're try, you're struggling really hard not to think about your art as this commodity right. this product that right. needs to get on the shelf. <laughs> right. It's like how are you going to try to create authentically when you all those things are yeah. kind of <laughs> bubbling up in your mind and and so it was just a really discouraging wow. uh process. I just you know just kept feeling like god like why did you call me to something I can't even do? Mm. Like why are we here? Like, should I, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Mm. Maybe we should do something else. Like, 
kept thinking like, what else could I do? Mm. Like, could I, maybe I could go sell houses. And it's like, no, I couldn't like, <laughs> I just don't feel like I'd be contributing like to what I'm uniquely wired yeah. to do. Like it just, but those thoughts kept coming like, what else could I be doing? Like yeah. instead of this, cause this is, yeah. this is not fun anymore. Yeah. And, um, and so thankfully, you know, we, we got through it and, and the Lord was, was good. And, and all those um, songs that were seemingly impossible got finished and, and just so thankful. Yeah. To, to mm. be releasing it finally uh, yeah. feels good. She's seen empires come and go, watch the kingdom's children grow, sparks and embers far from home, born to shine, and to behold, cause on our chain is a lock and the key. Okay, so take me into the headspace of, uh, if you're willing to, yeah, yeah. take me into the headspace of of release week. You know, this is it. This is you. You are you have just released yeah. She Waits. It, like you are putting something that you have worked for longer than a year on yeah. out into the world. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's probably there's probably a lot of yeah <laughs> a lot of emotions that go with that. It's so interesting, and I don't know if this answers your question, but I had a weird experience yesterday where a couple friends, you know, musicians who I would consider like better musicians than me, like technically on their instruments or whatever, and even people here, like, were texting me really nice things about the record, right? Like, inspiring or, you know, inventive or whatever. And then I listened to the record because we were just on our way to our Lee show. And I thought I would just like, I haven't listened to it. Um, uh, I just thought I would give it a listen uh, on the day of the release. That was my least favorite time listening to the record. Mm. Because now other people's comments enter my head as I'm listening to mm. something that had kind of been like untouched, like right. unheard. Yeah. And I was able to enjoy it so much more leading up to the record. Huh. So I don't think that means that it's bad to release music. Right. I think it just means like the way I'm wired, I maybe just need to, I, I can't ignore Like if a friend says, good job, like great. Like, well, thank you for your words. But like, I just feel like I didn't need to go anywhere near reviews. Yeah. Anywhere near like anybody good or bad. Yeah. Like I don't want that. Hmm. Like, because I love these songs and if they start to become this thing to me, that is, mm -hmm. that feels weird. So I don't know if that answered your question yeah. at all, but that's kind of how I felt yesterday mm -hmm. going into release season. Yeah. It's like we're a small team of people. Like we have a manager and there's a, a few other people involved and it's like, I don't want to like, 
pedal this thing out. Right. You know? like, right. Somebody's got to do it, but yeah. I, I don't want to do yeah. it. So, yeah. So, no, it feels weird. Well, yeah. No, I get that. Um, what are some of the what are some of the main ways that you hope word spreads about the album? Like like wait, this like we have no plans. Like, like yeah. Like, no, like I shouldn't say that. Like, <laughs> we have no plans. Like right. <laughs> we kind of rolled this out as a marathon. Um, just the way the quote-unquote industry is now, the current thinking is, you know, it might be a better idea to release a song at a time. You know, so we released, I think, four or five, I think, four, yeah, four singles. There's really eight songs. There's three instrumental tracks. So there's there's eight song songs on mm-hmm. the album. And so we released half of it before release day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, some big things happened with, with those songs. And so it's, it's kind of counter to what it used to be like, which is you release maybe a single and then you release the whole album and there's this kind of bigger splash mm-hmm. of everybody's just hearing things for the first time. And so I feel less pressure in that way mm. to like go spend tons and tons and tons of time on um, getting the word out myself. And, yeah. and I don't know, a lot of it's, been done already so that's not to say that i don't want people to to share it but we don't have any like mm-hmm. like 20 video series where tune right. in next time like <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah we just hope people love the love the album and and um and tell their friends and yeah kind of grow it that way i yeah. don't know like word of mouth like yeah so and that's, that's all yeah right i mean that, but that's that that is probably still the best yeah. Form of marketing is is friends telling friends. Yeah. 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 So I got nothing. I got no advice. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, um, tell me about the song Storehouse. Yeah. Um, that's that's a really, a really great track. Thank you. Um, it was a rare instance where, okay, so moved to Nashville a few years ago. It was lived with some friends for about a year in Spring Hill, Tennessee. We ended up buying a house there, but for a year we're living with these, uh, good friends of ours, dear friends. And they had this Creek riverbed thing right next to their house. There's a park and then there's this Creek and it's kind of a secluded area. Not tons of people go there, know about it, but there was construction done. It was a really hot summer and it totally dried out. Mm. So every day I would go walk this kind of un, untrodden like like nobody probably done this before like it was never that dry and there was just like this ravine where you're just walking around and so a lot of days i would just go there and try to write or set up my office like on on a rock that was like elbow high and and work on my computer and i remember one day this song just never happens but it just came to me like like words and melody Mm. for the chorus it was just, I'll go to the storehouse, I'll go to the storehouse of mercy, I'll go. And I just thought, man, like, great. Like, that usually takes me like six days. So, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like, this song is going to be... Bonus! Yeah. <laughs> and it was the hardest song oh, to write wow. on the record. Yeah, wow. it ended up being the last lyric, I think, that was... It was either that or a different song, but it was so hard wow. to write that, uh, to those those verses... Still think you'll be fine. The colors fade, 
drift away and you're back to what you know it's easy what you like and you don't look back refuse to turn like I'll build my own makeshift home but it only ever serves to make it worse over my head and lost and the ground feels unstable and I can't make this stop but this I call I call to mind how the father runs to the wayward son coming back alive so I'll go to the storehouse I'll go to the storehouse of mercy I'll go so I'll go to the storehouse I'll go to the storehouse of I think when C.S. Lewis wrote the Screwtape Letters, people kind of asked him, you know, how much research did you do on like demonic activity or like the sinfulness of the human heart in order to be able to write this masterpiece? Not, I'm not saying our song is a masterpiece. I'm saying right. that's what, yeah. yeah. And he said, the sad thing is I didn't do it. I didn't do any. Mm. It's all there. Mm. It's already there mm. because of of the fallenness of man and, mm -hmm. and and so there was no like particular so it's a song about repentance mm -hmm. and, and the need for forgiveness and, and how that's open to anybody mm -hmm. who asks for it um, in Christ and and so it wasn't hard for me therefore to have any familiarity yeah with the need for forgiveness and repentance right and so the, so the verses were not about a particular instance or event it was just because all of life is repentance and we need it every day. And, and so it was just kind of an, an out over flow of personal experience mm -hmm. into the vicious cycle of mm -hmm. sin habits and, and trying to remember that, that some people, non-believers or believers will often say like, well, I'm, I'm too, you don't know my history, my past. You, you don't know what I've done. Like, this 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 Jesus thing might work for you, but for me, like I have done s such terrible things that I'm beyond. Um, and and just to just to sing out like there, there's no sin that's a match for His grace. There's there's no contest uh, between those two things. Like there's there's nothing, uh, literally nothing that you can uh, do this side of eternity that would. Uh, eliminate you from being able to receive grace and forgiveness mm. um, for anything you've done. And so, so yeah, that's kind of the heart behind that, that track. Yeah. Now you mentioned that music comes easier to you at times and you guys have like album to album to album to album have, have had like kind of a growing, more expansive sound, just like sonic landscape to your albums and i mean i, I think this yeah. one is even another step in yeah. that direction like um I, I was just curious about sort of uh if that's just kind of a, a natural thing or if it's like you're very intentional about 
pushing yourselves to new places? It's a good question. I people often ask too. It's kind of the same question, but you know, do you premeditate kind of what you're going to write about before you go into it? Somebody mm-hmm. was asking me today about a song on the record called Three Birds in Babylon." It's a little bit obscure, kind of metaphorical thing, and. And he's like, did you just have all that? And and and, and the answer is like, no to that and no to this too. Like mm-hmm. there's no real premedit- premeditation. Like I don't have any kind of luxury of, well, going to this record, like the, the arc of it, is, I feel like is going to be, it's just more so like survive. Mm. So you go into the studio and it's fun, but it's just like, you're just trying to serve the song. What does the song need? Mm-hmm. And luckily we have an amazingly talented Producer uh, at the helm, uh, Ben Shive, who's just helping navigate that landscape. And it's usually just me sitting next to him and be like, what about this? What about mm-hmm. this? Can we bring in flutes? Is that weird? Like, mm-hmm. can we can we try this synth bass thing? And so I feel like it's a very organic, kind of just a natural mm. process. And we do want to translate that. We started touring with a drummer, uh, Asher Peterson. He's great. Uh in the spring, we're, we're hoping to tour with more players as well. And, and we do feel like the music is calling for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, more of a, I like don't a full know, set, band yeah, experience. Yeah, full band experience. Yeah. Um, and so that's what we're working towards. Mm-hmm. I just like, we've done an orchestra tour before or like playing with a band and some string play. And that's just so fun. Mm. And it's just very rewarding because it's cool to play with just Alicia and I, but it's even more rewarding sometimes to just like, we're not the thing. Like, mm. like, like. There's. We're part of this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that mm-hmm. more. Like, it just feels like communal. Like, yeah, music was supposed to be, like, multiple instruments. Mm. Like, a, like everybody's contributing. Like, yeah. that just feels yeah. really satisfying. Yeah. And rewarding from stage. And right. so, um, so I feel like we would, even though it sounds harder to do, I feel like we'd have more longevity. As as a band, because it's just it's hard to tour anyway. No matter what you do, it's hard to make me. I mean, just like other jobs in their unique ways. But if you can love it every night, then mm. it's easier to persevere. Mm. And I feel like I'd love it more if if we could incorporate more pieces. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That's good. That's good. Um. So this um. Yeah. Since you since it was such a toiling kind of labor of love experience uh i'm excited to find out if there was any particular song on the album that now that you have the finished product like you yourself are surprised at where it landed you know from from you know what was in your head at the beginning yeah to now the finished product like what what is the song that's like whoa that yeah. Maybe it turned out better or different. Yeah, that's a good question. And there's one song that definitely comes to mind. It's not a single track or anything. It's, it's called Not Home Yet. I think it's like uh, the song, it's like track nine or something. And it used to be a lot slower. It used to be, I mean, it went through four different versions of this song, mm. like four different concepts. Because I originally built this metaphor. Uh, the original song was called Two Trees Betrothed. And it was going to be about these two trees um, that were somehow, I don't know, betrothed or engaged. And, and, and one 
of the tree's names was going to be justice and the other one was going to be mercy and they mm-hmm. were going to marry at the cross. That's mm-hmm. where those two mm-hmm. come together. John Stott in his book, The Cross of Christ, he says the cross is where I think justice and mercy or something. Uh, uh, yeah. Justice and grace or righteousness and grace, they kiss at the cross. Mm-hmm. Like So there's this yeah. intersection. And I was going to kind of build this metaphor around that. Okay. How are they going to get there? And and, and it broke. Um, I was using this metaphor earlier. Like we're watching these cooking shows, like Master Chef with Gordon Ramsay mm-hmm. and all these. And I didn't know before, like that a sauce could break. Hmm. Like there's a there's a point at which a sauce yeah. breaks and it's not recoverable. Okay. And I felt like this happened to that song. <laughs> like where, like there's no. <laughs> There's We're no, not reviving yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's no... There's, so I told... Like, I, I had to walk into the studio one day and tell Ben... We had this beautiful track written for mm. it. Like, this song is dead. And he, he... I mean... I mean, he was really sad because he loved the track. And, mm. you know, it, it, it was just so sad that we had to say goodbye to it. Uh, but eventually it turned into a song called Not Home Yet... It was the hook of the old song, but it, we kind of just made it into the new one. And even up till the last second, I I was like, this song is kind of the bummer song on the record. <laughs> For me, like, it doesn't fit. Like, it, it just feels not up to par, mm-hmm. you know? Up until we got the last mix. Mm. And when we finally got the last mix, I realized as I was going through... You're in, heavy, you're in heavy listening mode right. when you're getting the mixes back. You're listening to the record at least once a day. You're, you're going through all these songs. That was the one where after it was over, more than any other song, I was pressing play again. Oh. Which is a good sign. Yeah. It's like Vampire Weekend. If you've heard that band, Rostam, he's now his own act, but him and the lead singer, I think they were talking about it. He was talking about how when you have a song as a demo or a mix and you keep replaying it, like 30 times, that's a really good sign for yeah. a song. And that yeah. had not happened to that song at all up huh. until the final mix. Wow. So I just remember Leisha and I were talking one night and me being like, man, I wish this song was not on the record. Like, it just uh-huh. feels like... But then now it's like, even still, when I go back and listen through, I'm like, I want to hear that one again. Like wow. that, Yeah, so it, was, <laughs> it totally turned into this... Um, <laughs> a song that, that, that I really love now, but I just, I had no hope for that song. Yeah. Uh, at one point. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. amazing. Yeah. So all right, take us moving forward now. Like what what is the the hope and the plan as far as, you know, your trajectory for the next several months and you know, yeah. kind of kind of yeah. what the life you hope that this project will breathe out into the world. We are there's a few things in the works. I think I was telling you yesterday. Mm. So I can't announce anything. Uh we're hoping to do a tour in the spring um yeah that that's more extensive yeah hopefully more more pieces nothing's finalized yet there's a few different ways it can go but we're really excited we're going to be doing hopefully a lot of touring in the spring yeah and and touring the record and bringing the songs to the stage in, in a in a uh multiple pieces on the stage kind of fashion and yeah we're really excited about it so we're, we're excited to get on the road and play these songs we've been playing the singles Mm-hmm. Um, up until now and it's, it's going to be fun to translate the rest of the record to yeah. the stage I think it was Sarah Groves that said like you know you make the album in the studio and that's the movie mm. and then so, so that's it's own work 
Mm -hmm. on its own. That's very yeah. hard to do. But to translate that to the stage, it's like you, you go on, this is a terrible example, you go and make Star Wars, right? Right. How are you going to do that on the stage? Right, right. That's a totally different venture. Yeah. Like, what, when, when is the scene change going to happen? How are we going to create this effect? Well, that's happening right now with, I mean, so many movies are turning into Broadway musicals. Yeah, true. And, but it's to your point, it creates a, or an entirely different set of people are needed to make that translation exactly. possible. The same people that made the movie, they don't Might have the skill the set yeah. to translate it to the stage. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's it's kind a of challenge. So that's when people are like, oh, could you play this one tonight? It's like, I don't know how yet. <laughs> like, you know, like, and that sounds weird. Yeah. It's our song. Yeah. We don't know how to play that song on a stage yet. <laughs> that's so fun. And, and so, so we've, we've got half the song ready and, and hopefully with these new pieces, we're going to be able to, to, to refine the ones we've already been doing, but also translate the, the bigger songs um, on the record into a, into a stage play, whatever production yeah. you want to call it. So, yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, totally. Okay, last question. Yeah. You do a lot of traveling. What is one travel essential for you? Man, such a good question. You thinking Well, it could be like a could be like a special stop or it could be like a certain drink or it could be like I have to have a neck pillow with me at all times. Oh, okay, Whatever. Get it, get you it. know, what's what's something so that's super <laughs> people are going to judge me for this. <laughs> No one. <laughs> You're fine. Um, safe place. Safe yeah. place. Uh, safe space. <laughs> Just you and me. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, maybe it's not that uncommon anymore, but it got to the point where we could not rely on hotel coffee anymore or Starbucks even. I mean, we're yeah. stopping in a lot of rural places sometimes and there's no coffee. Right. We don't have coffee in the morning. It's a total, <laughs> it's a, it kills the day. Yeah. Like yeah. up until 11 in the morning when you finally find a Starbucks and you've already been grumpy and yeah. uh, <laughs> so we'll travel with, um, a coffee rig, a pour over system. We have like a V60 Hario thing and a scale, like one of those nerdy ones <laughs> and, and the gooseneck kettle. And, and so that's like a morning ritual that is just, um, helps us on the road, have a, a morning routine. That's the same. Uh, which in, a, in, a, in an otherwise chaotic moving pieces environment where yeah. everything's different every day, it's nice to have a cup of coffee in the morning <laughs> from a nice, yeah. yeah. So anyway. I'm so glad I asked that yeah. question. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Thanks for the time. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, love what UTR does, UTR Media. And thanks for all you do. Oh, what a great dude. Oh, I love how candid he was with us. Dave Radford from The Grey Havens. And I urge you to check out their latest album. It just released a few weeks ago. It's called She Waits. And it's on all music platforms. I think it's one of the best albums of the year. So definitely find it. Um, and then another fantastic release that just came out um, days ago, really, is uh, Songs of Common Prayer by Greg LaFollette. And in the second half of this podcast, we're going to be digging into uh, getting to know the, the heart and the meat and potatoes behind that release, which I think you're really going to enjoy. Um, we at UTR have been so busy creating content of late, uh, and I, I encourage you to check out some of the stuff we have going on. Um, the Choir is this legendary alternative Christian rock band, 
and I got to sit down with them in a studio in Nashville and do a long-form video interview plus a live performance. It's available at our website. I think it's one of the best interviews they've given their whole career. <laughs> it is. It was so fun. Check it out at utrmedia.org. Also, we have some sister podcasts that you might be interested in, including an all-music show called the Gourmet Music Podcast. Uh, our last episode that we just released a, a week ago is all brand new releases, hot off the presses. Um, and then our next one coming up later this month is going to be our 10th birthday celebration for UTR. Uh, we also have a show that... Uh, allows you to get more involved and become not just a consumer of music, but a participant in the making of the music. Uh, it's called Good Patron, and we uh, showcase some of the latest crowdfunding campaigns each month. And also this last uh, episode that just released uh, has a long-form interview with a superb singer-songwriter and painter from San Antonio, Chris Taylor. So you don't want to miss that. And during this little halftime break, we're going to be telling you about our latest Spotify playlist, which we're really excited about, plus a brand new listener contest. You could win a, a very cool prize pack that we'll tell you about. Uh, and then we'll be back with an interview with Greg LaFollette here on Green Room Door. Hundreds have discovered UTR's Heart, Soul, and Mind playlist on Spotify with hours of gourmet music updated each month. Now we invite you to check out the all-new UTR Special Menu Playlist with a collection of hand-curated specialty-themed songs that are delivered at just the right time. The debut Special Menu Playlist features all well-crafted songs with the theme of gratitude and thankfulness. You can find the special menu playlist by searching on Spotify, or you can read the curator's notes or listen at utrmedia.org. Wow, it's weird to say it, but this month UTR is celebrating its 10th birthday. But our big birthday present is going to one lucky listener. We are giving you a chance to win a variety prize pack with 10 different items, including signed CD, signed vinyl, signed book, original artwork, Apple gift card, and a whole bunch more. Enter UTR's 10th birthday contest at utrmedia.org. Welcome back. On the second half of today's Green Room Door, we are featuring an interview with Greg LaFollette, who just a short while ago released a fantastic new album called Songs of Common Prayer, which we'll uh, hear a couple samples of coming up uh, very soon. Um, but let's dig into the conversation right now. Greg, what's up, man? It is so good to have you on Green Room Door. Hey man, thanks for having me. It was really nice to finally meet in person a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was totally fun to, to meet you. And uh, I can't think of a more fun environment to meet someone too. Um, uh, for those of you at home, we uh, were able to meet in person for the first time uh, the first week of October at uh, Art House in Nashville 
for Andy Osenga's uh, release concert of The Painted Desert. And Greg was playing in the band, in uh, Andy's backup band, and we got to meet after that show. So that was such a special evening. What a beautiful night. I loved singing that line, you'll be ready when the next thing comes, and it will come. You'll be ready when the good days come, and they will come. Man, that's good gospel stuff. Oh, yeah, so true. Um, all right, well, let's let's start by going in the rewind machine here. When did the music bug bite you? <laughs> when, when did you really want to pursue music as a vocation? I went to a small Christian college in Kansas and ended up graduating with a degree in psychology from the state university. My last semester there, I split time between finishing school and interning at a studio in Kansas City. As soon as my foot was in the door of the music business, I didn't want to leave. I began to get paid to do something that I would have gladly paid to do. It's been a long road to get to where I am today, but I'm grateful to serve at a small church plant in Nashville, Tennessee, as the resident artist and director of arts and liturgy, while continuing to work on records as well. Ah, very cool. Well, you have a new album that just came out um, just a week ago, really, and um, it's inspired by the Book of Common Prayer, and, uh, well, to be honest, that's something that I didn't really grow up with. Um, that wasn't really a part of my church tradition. So I'm just interested, you know, um, kind of how that book played a role in your life, how it inspired this work. I ended up in an Anglican service a few years ago and really loved the liturgical aspects of the service. Small things like an emphasis on receiving communion rather than taking communion and the incarnation of the gospel when the word comes down off of the stage and dwells among the people. I love that. I later learned that a lot of the structure and symbolism of that service was taken from the Book of Common Prayer and it began to inform my personal relationship with God as well. I found solace in what I call unloneliness in the prayers. Much like the Psalms, I realized that not only was I not alone in my suffering and questions, but I was actually in really good company. Well, let's uh, take a quick listen uh, just to get a a sample uh, from your brand new album, which is called Songs of Common Prayer. So, Greg, what do you hope will be the listener experience as they sit with this album and just kind of soak it in? My hope is that the record will be a tool for deeper, richer, more real conversation with God. Relationship, as far as I have experienced it in my life, is messy, and even the healthiest is not without conflict. 
Likewise, our relationship with God doesn't need to be only made up of proclamations of his glory and goodness to be healthy. I actually think that if we are being honest, even if it's short-sighted and lacks perspective, that it honors God. To tell him that you're not satisfied with the way things are, or that you're disappointed with him, or you can't figure out why something happened to you. Bono, in an interview with David Taylor, says, We don't have to please God in any other way other than to be brutally honest. That is the root of all relationship, as far as I know. Yeah. Well, can you give me um, a bit of the story behind the song Mystery of Faith? Mystery of Faith was one of the first songs from the album that I introduced to my church. The words are taken from the communion portion of the service. I like that I hear the word mystery every Sunday. It helps me feel like there's room for my confusion and doubt and lack of understanding. My intention for Mystery of Faith and lots of these songs was to usher people toward very simple, basic theological truths by writing them into modern, singable, congregational worship songs. The words of the Mystery of Faith, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We have died together, we will rise together, we will live together. All that is a very simple expression of the gospel. recognize uh, Sarah Mason there on background vocals. Uh, I love that song, Mystery of Faith, and uh, yeah, big fan of Sarah too. So speaking of, um, who are some of the people um, that helped you kind of shape and make this project? Man, I was so lucky to have a lot of talented people contribute to the record. I had a killer band, Jason Cheek on drums, with whom I had toured with Matthew Perryman Jones, Nathan Johnson on guitars, with whom I had toured with Andrew Peterson, Lucas Morton, Hitoshi Yamaguchi, Andrew Riley, my buddy Tommy Woodall even added a little triangle here and there. And then there were the singers. Man, people with such presence and substance. Sarah Grove, Sarah Mason, Taylor Linhart, Natalie Schlabs, Ellie Schmidley, Emily Roig, Sky Peterson, and a great group of people who came and sang congregational vocals at the end of the record. I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a, quite the all-star team. Way to go. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it just makes the, the album sound so great. So um, great work on that. Um, now, I heard you, or maybe I read uh, a post from you that said that uh, you consider this project to be the most personal project that you've ever released, which I found really fascinating because, um, in fact, having songs of common prayer, uh, songs even based on the Book of Common Prayer, in some ways seems impersonal <laughs> just because you're kind of basing it on something else. So can you just unpack that for me? Why do you consider this the most personal project for you? Every time I make art, it's scary for me. There's a feeling that I've done everything I can to make the art useful or beautiful or good or right, but I don't have any control over whether people will like it. 
The courage to access the vulnerability necessary to put myself out there is hard for me to come by. I mean, even though Jesus himself wrote the words to the Lord's Prayer, I'm not completely sure people will like it when they hear my version of it. I think all that stems from a difficulty I have with separating who I am with what I do and what I make. So when I put out music and ask you if you like it, it feels to me like I'm asking, do you like me? Am I good? That makes all art really personal to me. Nice. Well, um, how, how can folks get more involved, just find out more about you and your work? Social media, God bless it. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. G-R-E-G-L-A capital F-O-L-L-E-T-T-E. I try my best to be honest and have integrity with social media, but Lord have mercy. (laughs) I get it. Ah, I'm so glad you guys got to meet Greg LaFollette. Uh, and uh, learn a little bit more about his new project, Songs of Common Prayer, uh, which just released October 26th. And so it's hot off the presses. Um, and boy, I think that these songs uh, will, will really encourage you and inspire you in your moments of personal worship with God. And you might even find that these songs um, could, could be incorporated into uh, a worship setting in a corporate a church setting. So check it out. Um, Songs of Common Prayer. It's available um, now on all music platforms. And of course, thanks to the Gray Havens as well, who joined us in the first half. By the way, links to both of those artists' websites will be in the show notes for today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can write us an email, greenroomdoorpodcast at gmail.com. Um, We are also on social media as our our parent organization, UTR Media. So you can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at UTR Media. If you want to check out anything else that we're doing, like our sister podcasts, our video interviews, even our listener contest, all that is at our website, which is utrmedia.org. And there's a link to that site in the show notes as well. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode of Green Room Door, and our special guest will be Jenny and Tyler. Yeah, Uh, we'll talk about their brand new album, There Will Be a Song. You won't want to miss it. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get an update whenever we release a new episode. I'm Dave Trout. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode of Green Room Door, a production of UTR Media, an independent, listener-supported, nonprofit ministry in Chicago, Illinois, and online at utrmedia.org.